Patrick just sent me this picture for no reason at all today. <laughs> Look at this guy's teeth. Uh, I just thought his smile was really funny. It's a little weird. Well, I kind of like how he's jamming on his loot, though. Mm-hmm. How many strings yeah. you got on a loot? I don't know. That looks like 12. <laughs> Welcome to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld Review Show that is airing its first 2014 episode. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Patrick Armstrong. Hello. And your favorite guest host, Justin Armstrong. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Wong, and this is episode 48, and today we will be looking at season 4, episode 9, The Opera. And, uh, I gotta change that intro, because... That every week part is just, it's just a lie now. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been a month, I think, at least. Well, all sorts of things happened. Christmas happened. Justin had his first child. So mm-hmm. That's that's not true. Oh. I, lo- I lost an arm. <laughs> a turkey arm? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Justin, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Uh, always a pleasure to have you back. How are you? I'm pretty good. I had a massage today. What? Wow. Did you save that? You didn't even tell me that yet. Were you saving it for the show? Uh, it never came up. It never came, uh, you know, it wasn't a relax, it was a therapeutic massage. It wasn't a relaxation massage. I feel yeah, like... I, I love that distinction. <laughs> like, I, I'm not quite as bourgeois as you think. It was... Uh... I didn't enjoy it. That's the thing. I wouldn't want to enjoy a massage, but if I'm getting something out of it, I think that's something. Isn't enjoyment something? You know, that's that's uh, feels a little depraved. So I'm saying, <laughs> like well, a little too much, hedonistic. A little bit. So, how much would you say you enjoyed your massage on a scale of one to ten? Uh, you know, maybe. The thing is, like, it's not particularly comfortable to be like massaged in the in the therapeutic style. Uh, it's because like they're like they're digging their elbow into your nose and they're like, does that feel all right? And then it's like, it's all right. And then and then you grimace and then you say, just loose. and then. So I like how you guys are yelling back and forth like you're on opposite ends of a I don't know a submarine. But uh, overall, it always feels pretty good at the end of it. So and it was pretty cheap, only thirty bucks. Oh, there you go. That's at the West Coast College of Massage Therapy. Oh, is it a student? It is a student. But uh, the la- the lady who massaged me, I think she's like near the end of her uh, her schooling. So it's as, cl- as close as I can get to a professional on the cheap. Do you, do you leave a tip? <laughs> you don't leave a tip. No tip. No tip. Even for a student? You don't leave a tip. Mm, I tell you. I mean, we've talked about it on the show, but I, I struggled with that. I didn't know what to do. And I mean, my thought was initially to put the money just like on the table by the door. I and mean, it, honestly, if she came back and that money was there, <laughs> I don't know what would have happened. That would have been real embarrassing. Like, imagine if you did that with your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Thanks for the cream, doc. Wait. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No, it'd be pretty bad. Uh, what else is new? I know there's some big news. Big news? Mm-hmm. Like what? Well, you've you've finished your your schooling. I am finished. I can uh, I can be a teacher now until I get my at least until I have to get my certificate. But until then, so if you want we, a teacher on the cheap, like Justin, <laughs> we got one for you here. Thirty dollars a session. <laughs> you have to still get the certificate. What was the the studying and the passing? The no, degree? no. You just fill out a couple forms and send it in. 
pay your 250 bucks, and then you get your certificate. That's all you need to do to be a teacher? Pay 250 bucks? <laughs> well, well, I can do plus, that. Plus the thousands of dollars for schooling. You just have to pay all the money? You don't have to do anything? Well, you have to pass the classes, I guess. Yeah, oh. You got to get a... You gotta get it signed th- off. I was thinking you were like letting us in on like some secret <laughs> information here. Fill out a couple forms, throw a little money at it, and you'll be a teacher. It's a union thing, <laughs> but it's uh, it's all therapeutic teaching, so it's true. Mm-hmm. There's no pleasure involved. Uh, Patrick Armstrong, how does uh, the new year of twenty and fourteen treating you so far? Um, it's pretty good. Um, went to the art museum today. That was pretty good. Looking at the the pictures, one of the uh, the comics publishing houses has like an exhibit there. That was pretty good. Which comics publishing house? Uh, La Pastèque, uh, like French language comics uh, publishing house, kind of like the French equivalent of uh, Drawn and Quarterly, or I guess French language equivalent. Still, <laughs> I was gonna say, kind of like Quebec's version of Drawn and Quarterly. Yeah, uh, uh, that sounds nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was good. Um, and I, you know, looked at the Renaissance paintings and some of the modern art and stuff. There was this one picture that uh, it like, you know, like how sometimes the, the, the artist really like builds up the paint. Um, like, and like, like thick it, layers, heavy. Yeah, it, it almost becomes like a sculpture on the, the painting. There was this one and it had these like black shiny eyes and i was like staring at it like vigo and ghostbusters 2 <laughs> and it, like i couldn't get my eyes off it i looked at it for like maybe 15 20 minutes and like in this art gallery like some art galleries don't let you like take photos ever but this art gallery is pretty permissive about it and um there was like a little symbol that i didn't recognize on, on it it was just like a p symbol and i thought that meant like Patrick. Like, yeah, there was something. And so I asked the guard, and he was like, no, that's the only one you can't take a photo of. <laughs> and, and so I, like, wrote down the artist, and, like, the guard watched me, like, the whole time to make sure I didn't take a photo of it. Uh, but it was, it's very spooky. Now, did I, you ask the guard that question in English or in French? Uh, I asked him in French. I assumed he wouldn't speak English very well. And so let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, puis je prendre une photo? No. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He was like, just, just not that that one there. And then, so he uh, responded to you in English. No, no. Sorry. He said, well, he said, he said no. You this know? is a this is a pretty dumb question, but can paintings be damaged by like flashes? Yeah, that some yes, yeah. Is that um, most? Well, I I don't know. Like this one was like a it's like a 2011 or something. So uh, I assume it was like. Some like modern paint, but like older. Paint I like paints. how you're referring to it like there's year models of the paint. <laughs> yeah. That's a 2011. <laughs> but but like other ones uh, in this this museum, they put like a, a special glass over the painting, so like if you use a flash or something, it won't uh, won't damage it. But I mean, I guess like if you don't use a flash, that it wouldn't damage any kind of photo, but or any kind of painting, but. Uh, they put some kind of magic glass over them, so you can't damage them. Why would why would flash damage the painting? Because the the bright light or something. Because it's like full spectrum light or something. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, like why, and, and I why don't think it's like it? just. I don't think it's just one photo that would damage it, but like many photos by like, like thousands of tourists. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, when I was in Egypt, when I was in the Valley of the Kings, they had paint red paints on the walls and you couldn't use a flash to take pictures of them because 
uh, whatever uh, they used to make the dye was extremely photosensitive, and mm-hmm. so it lasted a long time before they opened up uh, the crypts, I guess, or the tombs. Is it a tomb? Uh, What's a crypt? I don't think it's a crypt. I think it's a tomb. Think it's, it's a tomb. Is this like crumping? <laughs> uh, anyhow, and so whatever they used to make the dye was extremely photosensitive, and hmm. so you, you weren't allowed to do that there. And that was kind of before it was really easy to turn off the flash on anything but an expensive camera. And so I remember trying to, like, hold my fingers over the flash because I couldn't, I just couldn't turn it off of my cheap point-and-shoot. <laughs> and, I mean, obviously, light managed to uh, pierce through my fingers. And the guard looked at me, and I'll tell you this now. If you're listening out there, uh, I believe it was Jeff Bachman, I pointed at you when the guard looked over <laughs> at me after I took that picture. That's funny. Really? Well, I mean, I might have just damaged something thousands and thousands of years old. So Jeff Buckley had to take the blame. Jeff Bachman. (laughs) Jeff Bachman. Jeff Bachman. I don't think he listens to the show. uh, And the guard didn't do anything. The guard didn't say anything to any of us. But he scowled at Jeff. But uh, to be honest, most of the guards there were scowling most of the time. So, Hmm. Um. Yeah, well, that's that's exciting. Your year sounds good. I I'm happy to say that 2014 has been a a good year to me as well. You know, mm-hmm. 21 days in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not too many crazy things have happened. I, I went to a hockey game the other day. I saw mm-hmm. the Vancouver Canucks play the Calgary Flames, and it was a crazy hockey game. There was an all-out brawl in the first two seconds of the game. Wow. Uh, and then the Canucks coach got into an altercation in between periods uh, in the hallway with the other team. So he's been suspended now for the coach has been days. suspended. Yeah, John Tortorella was suspended. Wow. How's he? How's he doing as a coach? Is he doing any good? Uh, well, you know, you kind of live and die by your team. So I'm sure as a coach he's doing all right. But in terms of the team, mm, not so much. Not so good. I believe the Canucks are currently winning their game tonight, one to nothing, in the second period. But beyond mm. that, you know, it's been a pretty pretty slow start to the year. The the high school first semester is ending now, so kids are taking tests. Yeah. Slow uh slow TOC work? No, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's good. I'm I'm watching tests. Nice. <laughs> it's all that uh holiday illness. Mm. Yeah. So uh I don't know where Chris Young is. Do you know where he is? No, I haven't heard from him. I don't know. I bet he's okay. I saw him over the holidays. He was out here. Can you believe that? Out of the jaws of Toronto. Did you guys Rob hear about Ford, Rob? let him leave. Well, did you hear about Rob Ford today, Patrick? His, his new video, his yeah. latest video drop today. Where he, <laughs> where he uh, speaks with the Jamaican accent? Yeah, he uses a bunch of Jamaican swears. And um, so I was watching this video and on the, uh, the Toronto Star website, and they had subtitles because it was like a, like a cell phone camera video. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was hard to hear. Like they didn't have a boom mic or anything. Uh and they were subtitling it, but then when he said the like Jamaican patois swears, it just said like bracket Jamaican swear, and I was really disappointed because like it sounded just like mumbling to me, and I was really curious what these swears were. Uh, they um, they actually transcribed the swear words, I believe, onto the CBC News webpage. If you want, to oh, check I gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah um, I'm really interested in like. Uh, other like swearings like since i moved to quebec i've been very like excited about learning about like a whole new swearing culture because it's all based on like uh like things from the catholic church like for example 
I don't know that much about the Catholic Church, but I learned about the sin of simony from like the swear simonac. Uh, and I didn't know what simony was before, but I learned it from a swear. It's very educational. Yeah. So do you know what simony is, Justin? I do not. I actually kind of forget. Simon-like. <laughs> no, it's when you get something simonized instead of a regular dry cleaning. It's ostentatious. Uh, I think it's something like uh, like a priest selling relics or something to make money, or selling like forgiveness, something like that. Huh. I read the Wikipedia page. Well, I skimmed the Wikipedia page. That's why I obviously don't remember it very well. Who has the time to read? Do you use uh, like uh, Shelley's? I think that's a popular one. Is it not? Kelly's, I think. Oh, sorry, Kelly's. Yes. Uh, I don't use any of them because I feel like it would, like I I like haven't graduated to that level. It would be like embarrassing. It would be. You would definitely come across as like a phony. But I mean, people like uh, francophones use English language swears as like a less severe swear. Like uh, I guess this we can't swear in the show. Like so, like the f word. That's like a like a less severe word than like even the most tame like French language swear. Dabarnak. Yeah, exactly. We can say like, that on an English language podcast, right? I think so. We're talking about it in kind of an academic context. Yeah, I, I don't think really it's know. Fine. Yeah. I already said Simonac, so. Uh oh. Well, would you guys like to uh, talk a little bit about Seinfeld? <laughs> Wait, why would we do that? Well, you're right. Well, that's the show. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Sounds good. All right. Well, first, I would like to encourage our listeners, as always, to visit whatsthedealshow.com, where they can check out today's show notes. I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone will do a picture. It's all there. Other business. You can, you can see it all. And you will see that we are uh, watching the opera today. In today's episode, Crazy Joe Davola decides he's going to strike back against Jerry, put the kibosh on him, for ruining his deal with NBC. Meanwhile, Elaine, unknowingly, is dating Crazy Joe Davola. Kramer and George try to scalp opera tickets. We don't have any idea what Joe, De- Joe Davola like, wrote for NBC. Is that no. compl- completely a mystery? We, yeah. we see him dropping off the screenplay in an earlier episode. Right. Or, or teleplay. Yeah. I think you can still say screenplay. <laughs> Some sort of play. Maybe Script. It a, maybe it was an adaptation of Pagliacci like, in like a TV form. Mm. Could be interesting. Oh, like an episode of NYPD Blue, but it's inspired by Pagliacci. <laughs> when all the characters sing. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, all right. Well, Patrick, why don't you uh, open this up? Yeah. So the episode opens with a monologue, and uh, it's classic gender humor. Uh, well, I guess gender and fashion humor. Um, Jerry's joking about the tux. And talks about how uh, the tux, when they wear them, it's because all men are the same. Why not dress them that way? And, you know, he, he elaborates with the, the wedding. They've got all those men lined up in the tux. So if the, the groom, he, he, like, backs out, they just move them along. Now, as I was mentioning to Justin when he got here, does that mean that that's why they also dress the bridesmaids in all the same clothes? Well, they're not dressed the same as the bride. The bridesmaids themselves are interchangeable. You know, like the best woman? Oh, I see. What, what's so. she called? Maid, the maid, maid of, of honor. honor? Oh, yeah. Maid best of honor. woman the maid, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the maid of honor, she, you know, 
she could be replaced at any moment, you know, on a whim. Hmm. Are you thinking of the Patrick Dempsey movie? <laughs> I actually really like that movie. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He's in a movie called Made of Honor, and it's like he is created of honor. Michelle Moynihan is the, uh, the love interest. I mean, is she really a thing, though? You know, she never really made it big, but she's in movies. Is she related to Bridget? Bridget. Isn't there, like, a Bridget Moynihan? I don't know. I thought that was Jennifer Lopez in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, that's Made in Manhattan. (laughs) Uh I thought you were thinking of The Wedding Planet. I know I was going to say. No, I I haven't even seen either of those movies. I've just seen the trailers so many times. I don't know why I've seen those trailers so many times. I must love Jennifer Lopez. Well, I don't know. How many other Jennifer Lopez movies can you wow. even name? 14% on Rotten Tomatoes for Maid of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is appalling. <laughs> and they, they have behind Patrick Dempsey's face all of the other bridesmaids. But they're just, like, faded out. They're so dim, you don't even know they're there. Does it work out? Does he, uh, you've seen this. Yeah. Spoiler they, uh... alert. They, because he's the maid of honor for her wedding, but he's actually in love with her, sort of. I don't actually remember. And at the end, they uh, they get together. They 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 pull they they call off the wedding and they get back together. Do you think someone's really going to get upset by like spoiling maid of honor? Like they're saving it all these years. Probably, uh, probably not. Well, I mean, how long ago did it actually come out? Two thousand and eight. I saw it in theaters. So I don't, I don't know anything about Michelle Monaghan. Or I guess the rest of her family here. It doesn't. She has I, two brothers, so I, I pronounce that Moynihan. For her some, too. For some but reason. you also get Martin Freeman and Michael Sheen or something like that. Martin confused. Sheen and wait, Michael Sheen and Martin Freeman. Yeah, you get them confused. In my mind, they're like the same person. I mean, I don't even think they look the same. They kind of look. They're like that, like British person. <laughs> Classic British. Look. Kind of a shorter haircut. You know, actually. Um, I've been watching that TV show, um, The Masters of Sex, and uh, what's that guy's name who we were just talking about? Uh, Patrick Dempsey? No. Michael uh, Sheen. Michael Sheen? He's, he's in that show, isn't he? Uh, Wait, I who am I thinking I've, of? I've never heard of the uh, yeah, show never in my life. Uh, it has... Uh, what's... Oh, no, yeah, Michael Sheen. Yeah, he's like the... He plays... Like, you know, the, the Masters and... Uh, uh, what's what? the Masters and Johnson like like sex surveys? Have you oh. like heard of those? Yeah, uh, it's like a t- like TV dramatization of that. And is it just is it largely like I don't know? Is it like Mad Men of sex? Um, does it have like uh, an all female uh, writer staff? A little bit. I don't know if it has an all female writer staff. It's it's pretty good actually. I've been enjoying it. Um, Lizzie Kaplan is naked in it almost every episode, uh, which is funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> she was in Cloverfield and Hot but, Tub Time Machine. Ugh. But anyway, like I keep expecting Michael Sheen to turn into uh, Martin Freeman. What's his what? name? No, Patrick. <laughs> no, they're not the same at all. I I don't know. I can't explain it. I keep like expecting him to like become uh, Bilbo uh, no because like uh, that's Martin Freeman he's obje- Bilbo yeah well I haven't I've the office really, guy I guess watch, yeah like Jim from the Tim from the office or um what else was he in he is uh, Watson on Sherlock I don't watch that show 
Well, this is for other people, though. You you know who he is. He was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across that's, from that's uh, Zoe like Deschanel. Arthur Dent. I mean, objectively, yeah. they don't look anything alike. <laughs> but I can't help it. I cannot help it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's some similarity there. I don't know. They're both a man. <laughs> British. British face. Oh, dear. You know what? I can't believe that people have managed to go without this show for that long. <laughs> Um, I mean, they really do not look the same at all. <laughs> I can't explain it. It's just something about... They must have gone to the same university or something. Uh, yeah. I can see why you'd get that confused. Wait a uh, minute. Did you two go to school together? That's where I confused you from. Um, okay, that was, so, that was quite the tangent. Yeah. Whatever, whatever do you mean? So let's get back to the, to the Martin Freeman podcast here. <laughs> so, so we cut after the monologue right to... Joe Davola leaving a clearly crazy message on Jerry's answering machine. Uh, he mentions he has a hair on his lip, uh, says Seinfeld's been bad-mouthing him all over the place at NBC, put the kibosh on his deal, and you know what? Joe Davola's going to put the kibosh on him. First of all, what is kibosh? I, I didn't look it up, but what does that mean? Well, it means to like end something, does it not? But is it like yeah. a... But is like, it like an expression or like... Yeah, it's, it's Yiddish. It's Yiddish? So like a historical... To be thwarted or have your plans ruined by someone or by circumstance. Huh. According to Urban Dictionary. Interesting. I assume it's Yiddish. So, Maybe it's uh, from Merriam-Webster, yeah. Uh, check or stop. Hmm. Uh, first known use, 1836. Hmm. It's a transitive verb. Yeah, uh, Joe Davola is the subject, and Jerry is the object. So that was your first thing, kibosh. What's number two? Uh, Second thing, I guess it's a recurring theme throughout the episode, but I guess my question about this episode is, is Joe Davola, like, scary funny? Like, it's funny how, like, ridiculously insane he is? Or is it just kind of scary, and it's not funny, and I'm just, like, concerned for everyone's safety? And I never know exactly where in this episode he lands. Is he actually funny? Like the scariness of it, or am I just terrified that they're gonna he's gonna hurt somebody? I and I think it's pretty funny. Like there's a scene later where he is just holding his hand over a candle laughing. <laughs> which I think is more like funny scary than like actually scary. Well well, I guess we'll talk or, about it. Yeah, yeah. Um well we can talk about all those scenes now, like all just just Joe Davola being crazy. I mean, like he, like he later is like, there's a shot where he's lifting a barbell, <laughs> crying, listening to Pagliacci with like black and white photos of Elaine, like scattered on the floor. Oh, as he cries, as he cries. It, it kind of reminds me of side, so sideshow Bob, like lifting that barbell when, uh, with a uh, die bar die on his, uh, or sorry. I think he's doing pull-ups or something. I, and he has... I think he's doing the bench press while, while he's planning to kill Bart. I don't know. Oh, maybe. That was but, uh, but, Cape Canaveral or whatever it was. I don't remember what episode that was. Um, Cape Fear, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Cape Fear, <laughs> <Cape laughs> sorry. Uh, but I, I think he's, like, I don't think he's genuine. Like, were you actually, like, scared that Jerry and Elaine might actually die in this episode? You know, there's one scene, there's one part in the scene where Elaine is in his apartment and he puts his hand over top of her and says, oh, you're not leaving. 
uh, at that point, it's all of a sudden a little, a little too scary for me. But actually, yeah, that scene is a little, it's a little scary. I, I totally go back and forth on this because I had the same thing, and I've always kind of thought it was funny. And then I watched that episode, I don't know, a while ago, and I was watching that scene, and I think Zoe was there, and it kind of just like gave me additional context, <laughs> I think, to have another like human being around, right? And I mean, it does seem like Joe Duvall is going to, like, cut up her body and hide it in the dark room. Like, it, it seemed really scary. But I, she's a day person. <laughs> I think what's, what saves it uh, in this episode in general is that the writing is actually pretty funny and most of the jokes land. And the fact that uh, Julie Lou Dreyfus, it, like, her reactions to, like, his, like, creepy things he says and stuff in, like, the dark room, it's actually really funny the way she's, like, so awkward and it's, like... Mm-hmm. So I think it generally... Yeah, I don't know. Well, I like that not only is she trying to get out of this potentially dangerous situation, she's trying to do it while allowing both of them to save face <laughs> and to be polite at the same time. Like, it's her concern isn't just her safety. It's, like, the social awkwardness of the situation of someone, like, being insane. Yeah. Well, go- going back to the message, uh, I do really like how Joe Davola is talking about the... Uh, hair on his tongue and he makes that mm-hmm. little like <laughs> you know how much i hate it of course i of course you do <laughs> you put it there i love that he like believes that jerry uh kind of like both literally put the hair on his tongue in this moment but also put the hair on his tongue in terms of the deal with nbc yeah he's gotten to the point where everything that is even slightly bad in his life is jerry's fault Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't oh, you guys, you guys are just totally silent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a bad opinion, but I won't say anything. <laughs> um, okay, so, like, uh, the message ends up on Jerry's machine, and right after the message is left, uh, Jerry comes home, and Kramer comes in, too. Uh, Kramer really wants Jerry to go to the opera with them. And uh, we learn later that Elaine has a new beau named Joey. Um, so now, Kramer, my favorite part of the scene is as Kramer's trying to convince Jerry to go to the opera, like Jerry's not into it, he'd rather watch Nick at night. Um, <laughs> Kramer insists that the reason that everyone sings an opera, not that it's just a musical form of expression, it's that that's how people talked in Italy. That was just how it worked. Everyone went around singing, and then he sings in faux Italian. <laughs> I like how he believes that, though, because at first I was thinking, like, I don't actually believe that Kramer would even like opera. And yet when he starts to sing and then explains to Jerry uh, that's how people used to speak, I really buy into it. That's when I believe that, of course, Kramer would like this. The thought that in Italy, people used to always just sing to each other. But Kramer's just Kramer's just spinning a yarn, though. I don't think he actually believes this. That I think he's just trying to impress Jerry or convince him. I don't think he really believes that they always sing. I kind of believe... I don't know. I, I always had the feeling that Kramer half believes everything <laughs> that he says. Yeah, uh, I feel like it, he convinces himself. Yeah, like he, it's like everything he says, he just hopes it's true and he has to believe it, right? Like he has to try and believe the things that he says. Yeah, like, well, it's funny because when Jerry questions like, why don't they do that now? He's like <laughs> totally flustered and he's just like, well, it's just, it's just, and he like doesn't really have an answer, right? Like he can't reconcile it. 
Do you think you could survive in a musical society? Like, if you had to sing to people all the time, like uh, <sighs> Montreal and uh, Victoria have both declared that all communication must now be in song. I mean, do I have to sing in the same, like, key and, like, provide some, like, counterpoint to, like, the <laughs> other people in my conversations? Well, it can't song? be, like, it can't be, like, a Justin, like, like, like it, it has to have some rhythm. What's that? Well, Can I just sing like this the whole time? Yes, you may. Yes, you may. Well, may- <laughs> maybe we should do the rest of the episode like this. Yes, we should. <laughs> uh, I feel like I could not. So you would move then, presumably. Yeah, I just I'd move to Laval or something or Toronto, maybe. That'd be great, though. Hopefully, they force you to do like an exit song. Yeah, I have to like explain why I'm leaving in song, and it has to be very dramatic in a minor key. I do think it's really funny the way I think Americans, Canadians, Western, Western people, they see the way they see Italians. It, it feels like we just accept this like Kramer idea that people will speak like, bah, 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 like all the time. Like I watched I watched a little bit of the movie Madagascar 3 the other day. And there's a point <laughs> there's a point where they go to Italy and they, it was the most like outrageous stereotypes of Italians I've ever seen because they were just. They were just, they were doing the bibbity babbies like you wouldn't believe it. It was, it was incredible. Did someone have a long mustache? <laughs> I think they did, yeah, yes. A plate of spaghetti? <laughs> I mean, my understanding of Italy is that everyone drives around on Vespas drinking espresso and like trying to figure out where to get their next plate of spaghetti from. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it, right? All at the same but, time. And then they have the gelato <laughs> later, right? Uh, I do like gelato. Sorry. I'd have, I'd have some right now, actually. Sorry. Um, so... I'll tell you this, uh, just as a minor point, Joey is an awful name. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I, I have no ability to say what name I would like if I was a woman, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I was a woman right now, I wouldn't be dating a Joey. That's an awful name. There's worse, though, like, but I would go by Joe if I, if I had to choose. Like, Joe's kind of a cool, tough guy name, I think. Maybe mm-hmm. a little old school, like Joe DiMaggio or something, but uh, Joey is... It's not as bad as like Chad or something like that, but it's, it's Chad. Not or even or even going by like Joseph, right? Joseph. Like that's a pretty good name. I'd I'd go by Joe. Joseph. I I wouldn't be caught dead being called Joseph. Uh, I mean, apologies a little too biblical. I mean, apologies to anyone named Joseph and Joey. I'm sure you're lovely people. It's just I, I I'm not I'm not a fan. I just, no, because if if you're a Joey, you've really picked that. Like Joseph, that's just like. I could imagine, like, it was your given name and your parents were, like, very insistent that you stick with Joseph, right? And so, like, switching to Joe or Joey maybe, like, feels it's too late. But Joey, you can just switch to Joe, right? Just introduce yourself as Joe. Joey just, it's too juvenile. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you sound like a child. But it's like it, a name. Is it Joey Davola or Joe Davola? Well, that's what Elaine calls him. Elaine calls him Joey. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's the confusion, you know. Mm. Um, and, and so, like, speaking of Joey, like, uh, he comes up because Elaine has come in, you know, explained she has this new guy, Joey, and he's coming to the opera. She's excited, and she explains that he's very happy and well adjusted. And then there's a great cut to 
that scene we talked about where Joey Jodeval is lifting weights, listening to Pagliacci, crying with black and white photos of Elaine in the background. <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I thought that, I thought that was really hilarious. Uh, pretty pretty well done. I like how uh, Elaine just shows her complete disdain for Jerry while she's talking about uh, Joe by drying her hands on Jerry's shirt. I know that's that's quite a power play. See, see to me, I saw it less as uh, less as disdain and more. You know they they're very comfortable with each other. There's, there's low boundaries. You know they can just I really they can I just feel play. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like that was entirely Elaine like being like irritated with Jerry and wanting to show him that like she could do whatever she wanted. Is this going on in your house? Are you and Stacy drying <laughs> your hands on each other? Uh, I could see it happening. Where's the bath towel? Uh, it doesn't matter. Stacy, come here. <laughs> like that's let me dry my hands on your hair. <laughs> uh, so obviously an important question, Patrick. I don't know if you noticed this but we have an amazing opportunity tonight uh justin how was crazy joe davola's lift form you know it was it was fine except he was moving his neck all around while he was crying and i mean he didn't have all that much weight on the bar so i guess it was probably okay but you could like you could really hurt your neck uh like moving your neck back and forth like that especially if you have a lot of weight because like you got to keep your neck solid otherwise you know things could happen so do you have to lock your neck in position you're not even supposed to you're supposed to like put all the weight on like your shoulders you're not even supposed to put your head onto the onto the onto the table to the the bench bench. uh and so the way he was just moving and straining his neck like that it didn't look very safe but he's kind of crazy but he was he was in a emotional like a like fugue state there you know just just crying you know he doesn't know what's going on it's true he's probably the last thing he's thinking of is his his lifting form <laughs> so if you gave his lifting form a grade what would you give it it's uh i will give it three dumbbells out of five <laughs> that's that's not bad i mean it, it wasn't terrible but it wasn't particularly safe it's borderline good um so uh then when we cut back jerry or guess kramer notices there's a message jerry plays his message it's that crazy message from Joe Devola. Uh Jerry freaks. He's going to call the cops. Um, uh, actually, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> well, Kramer stops him and says, what are the cops going to do? You should call him and reason with him. Mm-hmm. So oh, he, right. tries, he tries to call and he leaves a pretty uh, reasonable message, but they don't actually address it again in the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is used as a very clever uh, scene transition because you see the answering machine in Davola's apartment as Elaine enters, who ha- has left during this time period. Yeah, Elaine's going to do a pop-in on, uh, <laughs> on Joey. And so when she arrives, the door is open. Uh, just the door to the apartment is open. She walks in and she sees... Uh, this this collage shrine type thing of photos of herself that she doesn't recognize uh, in his living room. You know, she she sort of walks in with you know in a daze, and uh, Joey comes out of his darker room, dark room in his closet. No, it's his doctor's room. Where he keeps his <laughs> yeah. doctors. Are dark rooms scary? I feel like they're kind of cool. Maybe it's the context of the 90s, but I feel like if someone had a dark room these days, you know what? I'd be pretty impressed. I'd be like, you know what? Good for you. But maybe that's just me. I think in the I context, like it's scary. 
It's scary because he has all these spy photos of Elaine. It's, but but his whole his whole getup though with like the the apron and like the gloves he has and like his wide eyed look as he leaves the dark room, maybe that contributes to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the whole situation a little scary. So my question is, how close does he live to Jerry? Is he in the same building? Because Elaine gets there in no time. How do you know the the time though? Because Jerry's leaving the message. Oh. And he, you hear it, though, in the apartment? Or is that just oh, a clever transition? Yeah. No, you hear it playing, and it ends just as Elaine gets there. Because huh. Jerry starts playing the message just as Elaine leaves. So she doesn't hear Joe Davola's voice. Hmm. And then she doesn't hear Jerry's voice at the other apartment. It would be kind of Yeah, it, it must be in the same neighborhood or something, you know? I mean, that's frightening. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I couldn't help but notice that right next to the dark room, Joe Davola has one of those like little basketball hoops that uh, were very popular in the '90s. I think it adds to the uh, kookiness that is Joe Davola's insanity. But maybe that's his on medication activity, you know, and taking <laughs> and taking spy photos of Elaine is his off medication activity. So he's feeling good, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna toss some mini three pointers. Well, he seems pretty athletic. He likes to work out and stuff. He seems like he has some hmm. muscle. Maybe he just uh, that's Wants part of. To- yeah. yeah, he wants to work on his precision. Brains and bronze. So when you see that guy at the office, he's got the basketball hoop over his waistband. <laughs> he's actually just a jock getting in some more exercise. It's, yeah. a con- it's a context, Cameron. Wants so. to intimidate the nerds. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, um, so uh, Elaine's uh, captured uh, by Joe, and she starts to realize he's he's not quite the same. Yeah, she starts having second thoughts, and <laughs> Joe starts calling her Netta. Uh, from Pagliacci, as we learn later. And he accuses her of unfaithfulness and says that what happened in Pagliacci was Netta is killed. Uh, yeah, it's and this is where, as we were talking about earlier, uh, the scene, to me, feels just a little scary. Just uh, a little frightening. Uh, and I think Justin brought up a really good point, that Julia Louis-Dreyfus's uh, reactions to the scariness are kind of what diffuse it, but it is still kind mm-hmm. of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, if if one of us was in that situation, it would be really scary. Like yeah. maybe the scariest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> it, it would be terrifying. Elaine really does shake it off pretty well later. <laughs> yeah, you know? she she doesn't seem all that freaked out. Like you'd think she would have like canceled going to the opera and like re- went to the police or something. Nope. Yeah, I like my kooky boyfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's funny because she keeps her cool so well that when he's like, you know. He kills Netta. And she's like, now you see, that is not nice. Like, that is not okay. Uh, pretty strong. Although Joe Davola, for a guy who seems uh, pretty on edge, doesn't seem concerned that Elaine's just uh, rifling through her massive bag. Like, what, is, what does he think she's going to... You know what? You know what, Joe? I'm going to show you my driver's license. My name isn't Netta. You should get in some gum or something. <laughs> well, oh, that would have been fair, amazing if she offered him gum. <laughs> to be fair, he's really not thinking clearly here, so... Whatever do you uh, mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, so in, anyway, as she rifles through the bag, she pulls out, I guess it's perfume? No, it's, it's cherry banaca. I don't know what banaca is. Have you ever... Do neither one of I, this is a question I had later. So you guys have never used banaca? Don't know what it is. It's uh, like a mouth spray. It's like a oh. breath freshener. Oh. Oh. Is that the one that like people spritz and like it's famous in TV and movies? Yeah. Before you like, like go for the kiss. Yeah, it's like a mint flavor. Huh. <laughs> Except this one's cherry. Do people not use banaca anymore? Not really. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Like when I was a kid, I got a thing of banaca out of uh, a 
like dispenser in the Vancouver International Airport in the men's room. And let me tell you, I loved it. Because <laughs> I thought I was like that cool guy from the movies. But I feel like every time they show Banaka in movies or TV shows, it's always like a sleazy guy. It's like, oh, this is my chance. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it never worked for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, I don't know. It, uh, let's, let's see. I, let me give you a little bit of background information on Banaka. Uh, like, I don't, I don't even know if you can still buy Banaka. I did a Google image search, and there's there's a, a lot of... But I mean, their marketing... I'm going to show you a picture uh, from Rolling Stone. It's uh, I'm going to send it to you, but there's a woman um, like just wearing uh, her underwear, mm. standing in front of this kind of like, I don't know, like nerdy looking dude. Mm-hmm. Uh and she like her legs are spread wide and like framing him sitting in a chair oh, and it nice. says Binaka are you ready Oh yeah there it is Oh my god That's Oh wow When it well it has a website so it's not that old Available at fine retailers nationwide I mean Justin a website that could they could have gone out of business in 1994 <laughs> 20 years ago I suppose so I mean that would have been great though just like hopefully it's still hosted hopefully it's like the Space Jam website still uh, sticking around in it's uh, mid 90s form you know it's like questions about Banaka just click the frog below and there's like a little animated <laughs> frog like grabbing uh, I don't know an email and pulling it into his mouth Banaka blasts away bad breath Banaka is specially formulated to freshen your breath instantly. It kills germs that cause bad bath and dissolves lingering aftertaste. So you can be fresh and ready anytime, anywhere, for anything. <laughs> Does it taste good? Or like do you is there anything like that or uh it tastes okay. It tastes kinda like uh scope, I hmm. guess, if you've ever used scope. Nah. You've never used scope? What's scope? It's like a it's like a mouthwash, but it's not like Listerine. It doesn't have any sort of uh, uh, any like particular like alcohol properties or anything that cleans your mouth. It's just a breath freshener. Hmm. No, never. Well, that's what it tastes like. Hmm. Well, I can't believe um, either one of you have used uh, Binaco or really were that familiar with it. It's I'm not fancy, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that sleazy guy from the movie like me. Um. Yeah. So, uh, the next scene, we see Jerry in a tux. He's on the phone with the cops. They don't seem impressed with his story. And George comes in. Now, George has uh, kind of a, a tux that's maybe a little small for him. And he's also, I don't know if you guys noticed this, wearing white like sports socks and wearing opera shoes. Oh, I, I noticed. Uh, and opera oh. shoes, while they're like still semi acceptable these days, they're a little eccentric. They're mostly popular in you know your like seventeen hundreds, maybe the eighteen hundreds. They were going out of style. What are opera so shoes? Some... Say, what is opera shoes? I mean, I thought they were loafers or something. Yeah, just but... no, no opera shoes. Like they're, I mean, those huh. might be loafers. They oh, yeah, look very right. similar. Those are definitely but, uh, a court but, shoe. Huh. Yeah, opera shoes. I think court shoes are like what they were called like in the 1600s or whatever. But 
uh like they're people fancy. still wear them this they're for, real for they're real fancy sometimes they have like a bow on them they used to have yeah. like a big heel um but i mean that's like a real advanced like fashion move wearing opera shoes george is not pulling them off especially with those white socks is the implication that he was much thinner six years ago yeah i guess and had shorter arms <laughs> Well, <laughs> don't you remember the incident? But speaking of him being uh, thinner, um, there's a great scene. Did you guys notice it where he leans over onto the counter like a plank of wood? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I don't know what that was all about, but I mean, he, he, he also walks like a penguin throughout the scene as well. Yeah. Like, everything about George's like attire and the physical acting in the scene is amazing. Like when he comes in, there's that huge gap of white socks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's amazing. Um, uh, they also make okay. a reference in this scene to Ozzy Nelson. Uh, do you guys know who that is? Also, in my notes, it autocorrected to Uzi Nelson, but uh, no. So I, I had to look it up. Uh, I don't really get the reference at all, even after looking it up. Uh, so he was uh, married to Harriet Hilliard. Uh, he died in 1975, so this was already a dated reference for Seinfeld. And he was a band leader, actor, television director, and producer. He was in a TV <laughs> show called The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. A radio oh. and long-running television series oh. with his wife. You know, I've actually seen a few episodes of Ozzy and Harriet because yeah. my mom had a VHS collection, or I guess Justin and I, we share the same mom. Yeah. She had a, a VHS <laughs> collection of Ozzy and Harriet. What's funny, I actually like those episodes, actually. It's a weird show, though. Like, there was one episode where the parents were concerned because their son got a motorcycle, and... I don't know what you picture people who do with motorcycles like these days, like doing like street racing or whatever. In this episode, what people do with motorcycles is they drive up a dirt hill, and then when they can't go up any higher, they just go down the hill. <laughs> this is what tough people on motorcycles do. <laughs> well, in suburban America. Speaking, you know, speaking of people on motorcycles, this is kind of a tangent, but I know probably almost every fan of Rest Development knows that the lawyer guy played the Fonz in Happy Days, but I only recently learned this because I had no idea. What? I had no idea. But what's funny about so that... So why you think they made all the Happy Days references? I, it went right over my head. When he jumped over the shark? Over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I was reading about it on Wikipedia, and apparently the thing is they didn't want him to wear a leather jacket originally because it would be seen as like a criminal and they didn't want him a criminal on the show so they made a stipulation that he could have the leather jacket if he's with his motorcycle at the time so it seems appropriate so that's why he was always seen with his motorcycle early in the show because because <laughs> he wanted to have the leather jacket to look cool uh and that, after i found that out i watched a lot of fun, like the fonz clips uh, on youtube but wow uh- Hey, <laughs> there's a whole new layer of jokes for you to peel back. It's true. Yeah. So, are you familiar with the joke for the third season with the actor who uh, becomes their new lawyer? Oh, he's actually the son of, uh, or wait, what? What lawyer? Well, Bob Loblaw. Uh, and no. he's like, I can do everything that your old lawyer do, and skew younger. No. Mm. So that? he was the character. He was the actor who replaced Fonz on Happy Days, oh. and they replaced him because he they were trying to skew the show younger because the show was starting to fall in the ratings. Huh. Uh, what was the name of his character? 
His character was blah blah blah. No, like on on Happy Days. Oh, uh, um, well, the actor's name is Scott Scott Bio, and oh, oh what was it? Uh, there was even like a, he had his own brief spinoff with that character. Chachi was it Chachi? Yeah, that's right, Chachi. Because there's Joni loves Chachi was the spinoff. Yeah, show. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I just found it. Chachi Arcola. So there you go. See, there's another wow, another joke in there for you. We should be talking about that show. <laughs> um, Could you imagine if this was like the episode of our Arrested Development podcast and Justin just realized right now? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a very special episode. Um, all right. So there, there's a reference to the last time that, that uh, George wore this tuxedo. He made a terrible c- toast at a wedding where he cursed a lot. And got kicked out of the wedding. Um, and we also learned that Susan isn't going to be attending, and uh, Joey, for obvious reasons, isn't going to be attending the the opera. And Kramer says they scalp the tickets. George is excited; they're going to make a lot of a lot of dough. Some sweet uh, cash. Yeah, and the the last shot of the scene, Joe Devola is putting on white makeup. Which is honestly, it's a terrifying expression that he holds on his face as we mm-hmm. uh, we go to the commercial break. You know, I don't, I don't care for that. Yeah, I guess. Um, go ahead. I guess people just put tickets on Craigslist now. Is that is that what they do? Is that no? People still scalp. People, like, yeah, people like, sell like right outside. Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, more you know. Go to go to any show. There'll be like any big thing, like event. There'll be people selling tickets. Wow. It's a reference to Happy Days. <laughs> um, so after the, the I also commercial... didn't know Rod Howard was on Happy Days. FYI, <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I was watching like the the fourth season, I guess is it the fourth season on Netflix? Yeah. Uh, they, they talk about him being on Happy Days and like the remake or the movie, and I think that's where I clued in. But up until then, I didn't know. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny that I like feel like it's strange that you don't get all these references because I have never in my life seen a whole episode of Happy Days. Like the closest I've come is watching the Buddy Holly video on uh, like the Buddy Holly Weezer video. Uh, I've I've not seen like I mean I've seen like clips on YouTube, but that is it. Did did you know that in <laughs> season, I believe it is season three, episode one of Arrested Development where they want to hire Andy Griffith to be uh, like their stand-in lawyer for George Sr.'s trial and they talk about how no one's making fun of him. Did you know that Ron Howard was on the Andy Griffith show? I think I didn't know I that. Did know that yeah. I have seen episodes of the Andy Griffith show. It used to be on TBS, I think, and I would be bored and have nothing to watch, so I'd watch a black and white show. Yeah, that was like me watching me, MASH back in the to day. Me, to me, <laughs> as like a Mash. child, watching a black and white show was like the worst thing ever. It was like, I don't know why I hated it so much, but just looking at the TV and it being black and white, I felt like, like, like reading... The dictionary was less excruciating. That's funny. And yet you you continued to endure. That's funny. Well, I mean, the TV was already on. <laughs> when I when I was teaching Macbeth at the high school, I uh, I showed them a clip from Throne of Blood that like Kurosawa. Well, that's a great movie. Uh, Japanese, you know, adaptation of Macbeth, 
and they did not they hated it like they and they hated me for showing it to me and like some of the people when i asked for feedback later in the course they explicitly said i hated watching that japanese movie in black and white like it was really cool but there's something did about... you show them the end i mean he gets no, shot by like a hundred arrows i just show the scene where like the ghost shows up uh, oh and she's like spinning the Oh no! Wait, no, not the that. See the scene in like the, the witches. It's like the they're having like the dinner, the banquet, or whatever. Yeah, and then, yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever his, shows up, but I thought it was cool, but they did not like it at all. I don't know what it's about being young and black and white, but yeah, I don't know what it is because now I watch a black and white movie. Like you know, after like the first like two minutes, uh, I like kind of forget that it's in black and white. But it, like, I would feel like my body like rejecting the entertainment, <laughs> you know. Like it would like every bu- like muscle in my body would tense. It's like as the as the color slid away, so did like the humor and the entertainment <laughs> yeah. of the show. Yeah, it's it's weird. Well, you know what's funny, um, Zoe. A while ago, we were watching a movie, or uh, we were gonna watch something, and she said like. Well, we can watch this. She's like, oh, but I know you don't like black and white movies. <laughs> she said that to you? Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know where she got that from because I, I I like them perfectly fine. I don't have a passion for them. But, you know, some of my favorite movies are like black and white movies. We watched a black and white movie together in the theater. But uh, you know what? I think people just assume other people don't like black and white movies because they're not funny and they're not entertaining. <laughs> um. All right, so outside the opera, um, Jerry and Elaine are waiting for their tickets. They can't go in because Kramer hasn't arrived with all the tickets yet. So they're just waiting there, hanging out, and we see Jerry like playing with a quarter, and he drops it. And this guy, like after Jerry drops the quarter, he this guy picks up the quarter, cleans it's his. And they get into an argument, and it's it's weird. Like Jerry, like rips off a dollar, and then like eventually, like the guy, you know, like skitters off, and we learn that Jerry feels tough around the opera crowd. But it's it's a weird scene. Like it's so specific. I feel like it has to have happened to a person. Well, it seems like making fun of the opera crowd in general. But what I really like though is how Are they known? like in this like fight about like you think I don't care about money. He rips up one dollar. <laughs> he he throws away a single dollar. That's how big this high society fight is. Like these tickets are hundreds of dollars, and he and this man. I mean, I know it's supposed to be making fun of the opera crowd, but the fact that they both rip up a single dollar bill, pretty funny. It is like the perfect fantasy confrontation though, because he's he totally like he totally wins that confrontation. It's amazing. Uh, mm. But yeah, the guy just like crumbles and like <laughs> slithers away. Let me tell you though, I have a I have a terrible like confrontation story on the street. Uh, you know, it, this is like what Jerry did is my fantasy, and I did the exact opposite the other day. I was you stole a quarter? <laughs> no, but I was I was waiting for the bus, and I don't have a bus pass right now, so I just have like tickets like in a, like in a grid, and like I was kind of like dominant, and I just pulled the whole thing out and started to take one off, and like inevitably someone's like, hey, can I can I have a ticket to ride on the bus? And you know, instead of being like 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 an adult and saying sorry, I don't, I, I sorry, you can't have one or something like that, I said you can't have one, and I I, I can't give one because they're not mine. <laughs> 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 and the look on he he knew that I was lying, and he knew that I I did not have the guts to just say no, and then he just like walked away disappointed. It was the most shameful uh, confrontation of my life. But what does that even mean? <laughs> 
I, I don't know. That's what. It, but in the Does moment, it mean it's, like you stole the tickets and you're really excited to I, use them. I thought I meant like I, this is a story of oh I, I borrowed them from someone and they let me use them if I need them, but I have to give them back. <laughs> I like how this. Why would they give you all of like, them? It's hard to say. This was potentially a moment of great triumph, you know, like to have this confrontation. It's like, no, <laughs> they're not mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible i mean that deflection in basically almost every situation everyone knows you're lying <laughs> it's like you know if like if someone's like hey do you have any change and you're like uh oh, sorry i just had this change in my hand but i can't give any to you it's not mine <laughs> i'm uh, holding it for someone else I, I definitely felt like a coward it was it was it was not good it was not a good moment oh that's incredible <laughs> wow where, where, out of just out of curiosity, where were you uh, getting on the bus? Just exactly. downtown, in the downtown core. Okay. Yeah. Uh, although, to be honest, I can't believe someone would have the brass to because they see you with like a, a bus ticket. They're like, "Hey, can I have that bus ticket?" I mean, the next time I was downtown, I did the same thing for some reason, and saw another person asked me, and then I just said, "Sorry, I can't do it." Are you kidding? Who are these people asking for bus passes? Uh, just you know, people with no shame, I guess. I guess that's so presumptuous. I mean, it's like if someone was buying something and. They're in front of you in line, and they are you. Be, they're behind you, and they're just like have a chocolate bar. It's like, hey, I'm just getting one thing. Like, could you pick this up for me? That's crazy. You know, sometimes people will be like parked outside the bank, and I'll go into the bank and you know, like deposit a check or whatever. Like, I'll go in, like as I walk in, they'll ask for change, and I'll be like, sorry, I don't have any. And then, like, you know, often I like I very rarely ever actually have change like with me. And so, like, you know, I don't have any. Then I'll go into the bank and come out, and I'll be like, they'll be like, now can you give me some change? I'll be like, no, I didn't get, like, $1.75 <laughs> out of the bank. You know, like, I don't have any change. I don't want to And then this... they'll be like, you were just in the bank. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I guess, but. <laughs> well, now you know what to do. You just, like, tell them it's not your money. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah. I don't want to turn, yeah, this, I... I don't want to turn this into a hate fest on panhandling, but. One time someone was like, so I was like, sorry, I don't have any money if, you know, they're asking for a change or something. And there was, well, there's an ATM over there if you want to give me some money. <laughs> I was like, I, it, it was quite brazen. but That's amazing. There's an ATM yeah. over there. Oh, thank you. Because I was thinking about <laughs> giving you at least $20. Uh, oh, all right. Um, so, um, well, let me ask, there's, have there's, you guys ever been to the opera or symphony? So we're talking about this crowd and what's going out there. Have you guys ever been to like an opera or symphony? That's a that's kind of an overlapping crowd, right? I've been to an opera. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, how was it, Justin? It was uh, it was good. I, it was, I saw Macbeth, the opera. Um, was it in black and white? It was not in black and white. It, it was it was a little dull to be honest. It was good until like about two thirds through it, and I just was like, that's it's just too much. I, I can't handle it. But it was weird though because. You know, you you, hear, you see the music and you see them singing, but you see them acting like a play. But in my mind, you only the only things that are accompanied by music like that are movies. So it kind of seemed like watching like a high frame rate movie, but it was actually real. Life. <laughs> so it's like people are moving, and it's like, why isn't it kind of blurry like film? They're moving like so quickly. It seems. Oh, this must be forty eight frames per second. <laughs> Justin just leans over to Stacy, like this is just as bad as The Hobbit. <laughs> it doesn't look that natural. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, it gave that weird illusion. It was actually kind of interesting, but it was fun. It was good. Hmm. Wait, uh, what, what is the illusion, sorry? <laughs> of reality. <laughs> he actually was, believed that they were there. It was a weird high frame rate. <laughs> it was 3D Almost without like the 3D glasses. Real. He felt like he could just reach out and touch it. 
<laughs> it's like the people are in the room with him. <laughs> How was your opera experience, Patrick? Um, I've been to a couple operas and ballets and stuff. I don't know. Oh, it's pretty good. Sorry, Doctor Culture. <laughs> sorry, sorry to bore you with such a mundane question. I would say the like crowd is like the same crowd if you like go to maybe a Woody Allen movie or uh, maybe like a, a foreign movie with subtitles. It's the same except like people dress up slightly better. I don't know which black tie crowd is showing up to your Woody Allen movie <laughs> screenings, but uh... I, well, I've never been to like something in like a like major metropolis. Like it's always been in like Victoria, right? And so no one's wearing a tuxedo there. Like they're just wearing like maybe a suit or you know a sport jacket or something. Well, I I won tickets off the radio about I don't know a few like let's say four months ago something like that to go see uh, the Victoria Symphony play. Uh, and I was pretty excited because here we go. It's a classy night, right? Two tickets. It's a nice night. It's a good night for a date. So I've seen where the sort of like performance houses are in Victoria, but I don't really know which ones you go to. So I just, I planned it all out. I looked it up on the map and everything. Running a little bit late, get there just in time. I went to the wrong building. I went to the totally wrong one. And so I'm like, oh, great. Now we're not going to see this thing at all. Like, we're going to be standing in the lobby watching it on that tiny little TV. This is awful. We get there, and they're like, you know what? They're still talking in there. I think we can get you in there before it starts. And I'm thinking, we're like 10, 15 minutes late. I don't think society is going to accept this. Let me tell you, high society did not accept it. Wow. We were getting, like, dirty looks and murmurs as the, like, usher showed us down to our seats. And then we were, like, sitting next to these, like, pretty immobile old people. Uh, I felt awful. Wait, so had the show started or not? No, the show hadn't started, but the uh, conductor was talking to... Uh, the first piece was written by someone local. Oh. And so they were just kind of, like, gabbing. I feel like you don't deserve dirty looks at that point. Well, let me tell you, I wish you had been in the audience that night. It would have been one less scowly face. Hmm. I mean, when I went to when I went to the opera, I mean, we were it actually had already started and we got in, but <laughs> we were running a little late. Well, Justin's like, don't worry, like it'll just be the previews. <laughs> Often they like don't let you in until like there's like a scene break or something, and like. Uh... Yeah, it's amazing they let you in. Now, if memory serves me correctly, Justin, you went to what I would describe as opera practice. Was that what you went to? Was it like a like a warm up night? Uh, it was like oh, a, like a dress rehearsal. I think it must have been a dress rehearsal or something. Yeah. Did it seem like they were taking it? No, nah, they did. They did it very good. Although, not that I could tell. I mean, what do I know about opera? But it seemed pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like the 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 veteran crowds, like man, they're really phoning it <laughs> in. <laughs> did they have uh, any like the traditional opera garb? Like any of the sort of like uh, cliche stuff, opera garb. Yeah, you know, like a like helmet with horns. Like Wagner. <laughs> uh, no, they they just dress like like Macbeth, I guess. Hmm. Did they have the dagger? I'm sure they had the dagger. Uh, I, I I vaguely remember. It was very elaborate, actually. It was very cool. But... Well, because I'm never quite sure if in if you see a live performance, if they're going to do the thing where it's like a piece of invisible thread is tied to a dagger and it floats around, or if it. They, they go for it's in his mind sort of idea. I feel like you got to see the dagger personally, but that's just me. Hmm. 
Speaking hmm. of, this is a completely uh, tangential. So. Well, we don't do that on this <laughs> show. I'm so sorry, but speaking of Macbeth, I watched the Roman Polanski version of Macbeth. I actually showed it to my like high school kids, and like uh, that movie is shockingly violent, uh, especially mm-hmm. like the end. Did you not watch it before? I did not. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> not screening a movie yeah. before you show it in the high school. Uh, it was in the library at the high school, so I feel like that's okay. But uh, I feel like they would... Anything goes in the library. Anything that's in the library, I feel like I could show. But anyways, I mean, when the guy's head gets, like, literally cut off uh, and, like, rolls along down the stairs, that was uh, that was quite the show. What? Uh, who's in the cast of that one? Uh, I don't... I can't... I can't think of anyone famous in it. Oh, okay. But, sorry. Uh, was it directed by uh, Kenneth Branagh? No, Roman Polanski. Oh, right, of course. Sorry. I just I, I just kind of assume that every Shakespeare movie I see is a Kenneth Branagh movie. Except Kenneth Branagh is now only exclusively directing uh, Thor. And he's also... Uh, I don't Jack, know if you guys know... Yeah, Jack Ryan. The new Jack Ryan. Not only is he directing, but he's also starring in it as uh, the villain, I believe. I mean, he's a good actor, I guess. But... Oh, I love him. I just watched this new show with him on Netflix. Yeah, is he good? Wallander. What is it? It's called Wallander. I don't know. I, I know this isn't the Wallander podcast, but check it out. That's my cheap plug for Wallander. Hmm. Um, okay, so so getting back to the show, um, there's a quick scene where we see Joe DeVola in his clown costume threatened by some guys in the park, and he just, like, pulls out his martial arts moves and takes <laughs> them all out. Now, is this uh, the only time there's any fight choreography in Seinfeld? Because it feels like it must be. I mean, maybe it's pretty amazing. He does like a, like a, a, a does, kick. yeah. Well, he does like a sweep kick too. Yeah, yeah. just it looks like Street Fighter. <laughs> um, da, 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 da. I guess it's supposed to make him seem more scary. I guess, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he's a killing machine. It kind of reminded me of like Casey Jones in the park, though, and Ninja oh, yeah. Turtle. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, so, and then, like, we cut to George and Kramer trying their hand at scalping. So Kramer seems to know what he's doing. You know, he's like, I got two. I got two. Balletra, I got two. And, uh, you know, he, he gets, he, <laughs> he reels. You're an incredible scalper. I'm ready to buy right now. I got he reels, he reels someone in, and George totally blows the deal. He's a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with that expression? Because I'm, I'm no. not totally sure I know what that means. I feel means. like I've heard that before. What does it mean? What is a pigeon? Like, if you, if you, you know, do like it, you'll a, scare them away? Like, if you're like a con man, they're like the chump. They're the person who you can, you can, uh, they're the pigeon. Oh, so a pigeon's like a sucker. Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought he was afraid that he would, like, make him run away because... No, I thought a pigeon was like, uh, like a chump. Huh. Maybe that's just, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that's what it was. I thought a pigeon was like... <laughs> Like, old-fashioned <laughs> slang for, like, an informer. Like, in old gangster movies, they called, like, people, like, who weren't, like... Well, I, you know what? I, I'm going to go ahead and say pigeon? your definition's the one that makes the most sense in that case. But He's an informant, George. In the, he's an informant. In the context, I think it makes more sense that he's a chump, but... I mean, mm-hmm. the context for yours is, is good. Uh, for Patrick's, I don't even know where the context <laughs> begins to come into that one. Yeah, yeah, I agree, but... Uh... A pigeon. Yeah, because yeah. a stool pigeon. Cause they, what... What's a stool, though, in this context? You sit on a stool, and you talk to the police. You sing. Really? You sing to the police? Do pigeons sing? I don't sure. Know. They go, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of song. I think you're getting this confused with Home Alone 2. The Wet Bandit. 
Oh, wait, Sticky Bandits. Sticky Bandits, for the Sticky Bandits. Uh, I um, mean, we should talk about that later uh, after the show a bit, because I tell you, I watched Home Alone 2 at Christmas time. I did too. I have, some, I have some strong opinions about Home Alone 2. I sure do too. So here you go. Pigeon, uh, in terms of slang, is either A, a young, usually attractive girl, or B, a person who is easily fooled or cheated. Hmm. A dupe. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I never heard pigeon. I heard like a bird, you know. She's a, she's a couple birds over there. Let's, uh, let's, let's use our banaka and get over there. <laughs> All right. So well, that was weird. Um, <laughs> uh, we cut to back to the line with Jerry and Elaine. They're starting to get impatient. And then there's kind of like a classic like comedy buildup where the audience knows something they don't. And, you know, they gradually figure out that, Joey and Joe DeVola are the same person, uh, which I think they pull off pretty well for kind of a hackneyed bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it Did was really good, actually. I, I thought the realization uh, came across really well. I thought it was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, it was good. Uh, although Justin and I both noticed in the background of this scene, there's a background actor. We should try and get oh, a yeah. screen guy with the mustache. Yeah, he just like he can't stop looking out, and he's like basically looking almost directly into the camera a couple times, <laughs> like the grinning and like mugging for the camera a little. This is my shot. <laughs> uh, now, does he remind you of any sort of uh, actor, Patrick, that you might recognize? Say potentially from the 1970s, 1980s, very popular. Uh, I don't know who you're you're implying here. Tom Selleck. Uh, just because of the mustache? Come on, his hair. Hmm. Mr. Baseball? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Best movie about an American playing baseball in Japan. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. You should see it, actually. Actually, I don't know if it's a good movie. The last time I saw it, I was like eight. But I really liked it when I was eight. But I mean, like, listen how eagerly he... He threw that recommendation out there for you. Yeah. So. The emotions carrying that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that guy's really strange uh, in the background. Uh, what I do like about this scene, though, is that uh, a street performer comes up to Jerry uh, <laughs> and mm-hmm. asks for some change. And Jerry meekly replies that he can't give him any change because it's, it's not his. <laughs> uh what and so the street performer starts to go off on him but what i really like about this is that the street performer at this point has literally done nothing but come up and ask for money he's basically panhandling dressed as a clown at this point he he hasn't done anything and he's very polite he doesn't talk in like a clown voice he doesn't sing to them he just asks for money i thought that was really strange he does start to perform later but i've never seen a street performer basically mandate that he needs to collect money before he will perform. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of like the like the clowns and the clown makeup, there's like a, a cut to uh, like a mini monologue in the middle of the episode, and Jerry's just talking about how clown, like how do you become a clown? You know, when like clowns outside of a performance are just like an annoying person. Now, this is funny because it reminded me that uh, my girlfriend. Uh, before we lived together, she, like, her neighbor, like, it was, like, a, a big house that was, like, split up into apartments. Her neighbor was a clown. Like, that was her profession. Hmm. Uh, and she, like, it was weird because she was, like, kind of, like, a kooky, like, free spirit type. Uh, if, if you, like, and, like, she 
but she took clowning very seriously. Like she didn't take a lot of things seriously, but clowning was very serious. And she would go to these things called clown alleys. Have you guys ever heard of this? I mean, I wouldn't want to be caught in one. (laughs) That's fine. A clown alley is like a clown convention. I don't know why. I don't know that they actually take place in alleys. Maybe maybe they do. But well, uh, it's kind of like the idea of the clown car, but because there's more people for the convention, they host it in an alley. Yeah, they can fit them all in there, like a thousand people in an alley. (laughs) This is kind of a cliche question, but are clowns funny? Do you find them funny? I've never seen a funny clown. One time I saw, I was like at some kind of, I don't know, I think it was a fundraiser. It was like, maybe like, a, like there was like a burlesque element or something. And there was like a lady who was like, <laughs> cl- like clowning. Is and this a she, dream that you had, Patrick? She, well, I mean, it's going to sound like it. she was like clowning, but she was like, she had like clown makeup on her face, but she was naked and she was like. Doing clown things. <laughs> I don't even remember what the point was. She like it was just so strange. Like this woman with clown makeup, like she like was putting powder on her face and then blew it or something and like pretend to sneeze. It was very strange. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. We've just delved into a dark, dark part of your psyche, Patrick. No, this really happened. There's no way what you just said is real. That absolutely happened. There's no way that happens. <laughs> This is someone's strange fetish, and they would have had to pay a lot of money to make this strange thing come true. That's pretty weird. And I mean, I don't know about Justin, but I felt like I could hear Patrick's breathing accelerate as he talked about this. I think it was actually, it was like, I think it was a fundraiser for a trans lady to have an operation. Huh. And so, like, there was a lot of, like quote like alternative entertainment like well i mean that is about as far out of the mainstream as you can get i think burlesque <laughs> clowning i've never heard of I such mean, a thing i mean burlesque that's it was yeah, not good yeah, i'm yeah, not gonna i'm not gonna lie here it was not good <laughs> but did you laugh was it funny no absolutely not <laughs> i i mean i'm not gonna lie it sounds like the most uncomfortable thing i've i've ever heard of i'm gonna go ahead and type in burlesque clown well uh, there's already quite a few hits. Oh, here we go. Burlesque Clown. Uh, this is uh, the worst this, thing I've ever is, seen. Seems like a bad idea. Uh, it's all right. I, uh... Oh, yeah, this is terrible. Uh, that's bad. That's... I mean... No, it's really bad. I don't know who's taking this so seriously, and I mean, I guess I can't just say it's bad, because, you know, this is theater of the mind right now, so... I'll describe it for you right now. It's a lady dressed like a clown wearing burlesque clothing. It's exactly what you thought it was. Patrick's a sick, sick man. Cameron, don't judge me. I'm definitely judging you. Do you think clown college is a real thing? <laughs> I think it is, right? I, I think it is, too. I think it's pretty hard, isn't it? Like, that's what I've heard. Uh... Well, I imagine I, they have like juggling. I imagine it must be hard only because you're presented with an opportunity every single day where you see yourself as a clown and you have many opportunities to get out of it. it I think be, most people realize that they don't want to do this. There must be a lot of craft to be a clown, I think. I mean, let me put it to you this way. If we thought the cliche question is, is a clown ever funny? I mean, is a clown ever sexy? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little out there. I don't think so. Because I'm seeing this and... It's too weird of a combination. It's just too weird. I could easily 
never have sex again after this. <laughs> this is just awful. I'm getting right off this. Oh no, this one's name is Dalita. Ugh. Mm. And window closed. Oh, saving that for other business. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Um, so Joe Davola, he comes out of the alley behind Kramer where he's scalping, like slowly approaches and asks about the ticket. And, you know, it's revealed that Kramer's afraid of clowns. And Joe Davola asks, are you still afraid of clowns? Kramer clearly is. <laughs> There's another episode, I think, with Kramer like being afraid of clowns, right? Yeah, it's uh, the episode where Jerry is dating the gymnast. Mm-hmm. I believe the oh, episode yeah. might be called... Uh, is, that, is that the painting? Is that the one where George sees the 3D painting? Oh, uh, I don't know. But that's like a few seasons away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wait, no, I think... Don't they mention it once in the episode where... Kramer goes with Elaine to get his mom's or his coat back, like that was stolen by his mom's boyfriend. Um, it, it might be. Uh, I, I don't think there's a, a list on Wikipedia of clown references on Seinfeld, <laughs> but if there was, I would find it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It, so yeah, uh, and then like the the next scene, it seems like it's mostly the beginning, just an excuse for Jerry to sing the Looney Tunes theme, uh, which is pretty entertaining. And I was surprised that I like, I think I know all those lyrics too, probably because I saw that theme song hundreds of times in my childhood. It's a good one. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm distracted trying to find uh, that episode where Jerry dates the. Uh... Oh, is that? No, it's not the Diplomats Club. No, I don't know what it is. It's not a very. Uh, it's not a very memorable episode, to be honest. Well, I remember that Kramer mm-hmm. has uh, a kidney stone. Oh yeah, that is the most memorable part of that episode. It's not that it's bad. It's just not memorable. Um, and then finally. Oh, it's called Jodavola. The Gymnast. Hmm. The Gymnast. Oh, there you go. And then finally, Jodavola shows up in the costume. They don't recognize him right away, and he threatens them. Well, isn't there, uh, doesn't George sell the ticket finally to Harry Fong uh, before? <laughs> Harry Fong. Uh, that's, that's the following scene. Oh, okay, sorry. My bad. Um, yeah, so then, then, you know, like, Jodavola threatens them. They run away. George is in the middle of this deal with this Harry Fong guy, whose name he just made up for him. Uh, And Susan rolls in as George is closing the deal. He sells the ticket anyway. Um, And, uh, yeah. You know, we haven't mentioned it up to this point, but or we might have mentioned it briefly, but the whole cursed host like storyline is so but like it's really funny, but it has like nothing to do with anything in this like entire episode. It seems like just an excuse for George to get into an altercation when he's scalping the ticket. And it's so minor, like nothing really comes of that altercation, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just like, like over she calls for a doctor and then George, I guess, beat him up, I guess. Like it was revenge, I suppose, but I mean, it's really funny, honestly, the whole thing of him with the cursed toast and people are shocked, but just so random and there's nothing to do with what anything whatsoever. But. Uh-huh. 
Um, Terry Fong. Yeah, so <laughs> in the last scene, uh, Kramer, Jerry, and Elaine, they roll into the theater. Uh, Harry Fong sits down with them. <laughs> and Susan comes and... Uh, he seemed to get away with the idea that just that he didn't feel like going, so he sold the ticket. She seems very fine with it, actually. Yeah, she just wants to see the opera. Yeah, she seems shockingly okay, and I mean, like, is she calling this guy Harry? Because George doesn't know what his (laughs) name is. Do you think they just didn't have time for her to get mad about the whole thing? Yeah, probably. You know, this episode does run, you know, uh, pretty pretty full. I didn't feel like there's too much uh, cut space in this episode. It does kind of feel like there might be a deleted scene or potentially could have been. And so, so the weird thing is the last thing in the scene is that Kramer sold his ticket to a guy in a clown costume, so Joe Davola. And it shows Jerry and Elaine looking freaked out. But nothing comes of it. He just, that's just it. It's weird, huh? That's that. What's done is done. I guess the implication is he comes in late, maybe? Or the implication is that they leave or Hmm. something happens. And then there's a final monologue. And the joke is that opera singers are fat. I thought it was about eyesight or optometry or something, but I, it's it's a one-two punch. <laughs> that <was> a... <laughs> classic comedy combination: vision and weight. Mm-hmm. It was a bad closing monologue. I think it was bad. So, is the purpose of those little uh, binoculars to see the person's face? Is that what it is? Like to see their face clearly? Yeah, see their facial expressions. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't, I don't know, Doctor. Uh, I've been to so many operas. That's, that's you, by the way. Mm-hmm. That was eight years of study to get that doctorate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Patrick, what did you think of this episode overall? One of the best ones so far. I mean, like it really rolled. Like the writing was pretty tight. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. I liked it. Justin, uh, you know, I, I go back and forth. I think Cameron mentioned about is it funny or is it just like terrifying that Joe Devola might kill them. This time around watching it, you know what? It's pretty funny. It's really well written. All the jokes are really funny. And, like, I think it's it's a good episode. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's one of the best so far, but it's actually pretty strong, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I uh, as you said, I go back and forth. The last time I watched it, I was like, man, this is actually kind of a scary episode. And, like, Joe Devola is, like, mentally ill. Like, there's a serious problem here. And yet, today I was watching it. I was fine with it. It seemed pretty funny. So, uh, today, uh, for Justin... I'll give it uh, four and a half red noses out of five. That's very generous. Well, I like uh, I like the clown rating scale. What can I say? Uh, today for other business, uh, we actually have a little bit of other business sent to us uh, by a fan, uh, a new fan of our show, my sister, <laughs> and so she'll be happy to know that today on Other Business, which is that uh, always exciting part of the show where we uh, delve into the uh, weird and to the, the different sort of topics of the day. Uh, we'll be looking at 3D Babies. Uh, you can check it out for yourself at 3d-babies.com or even better, go to whatsthedealshow.com and click on the link there. So is this the animated baby that dances? Uh, that... So this is uh, the animated baby from the <laughs> Ally McBeal Show. Or, okay, so let me, let me set the scene, okay? Uh, your... 
a mother to be. You're excited, and what do you, what do you do? What are, what are, what are one of the first things that you go in eventually once it's been confirmed to to see how things are going? Well, you know what? You go in there, and uh, you have an ultrasound, and you see that beautiful little bit of moving life on the screen, and that's when you realize it's all real. How would you like to get closer to that moment? How is that possible? It is possible now with 3D Babies. 3D Babies takes uh, the ultrasound data, and I don't know if they have to do a special one or whatever, but uh, they, they take an ultrasound, which then generates a 3D model of your baby, which then they print off on a 3D printer and ship to you. So you can hold your baby before it's born. Patrick, first impressions. So... The thing is, you go to 3D, 3D-babies.com, you feel like even the most horrifying product, whatever it is, like some weird sex thing or whatever. The, Are you, are you going picture, back to the clown, Patrick? Is this about the clown? <laughs> the picture they put on the front of their website, it's usually, it's putting it in like the most like beautiful, pristine light, but... On 3dbabies.com, <laughs> this picture looks like a mummified baby corpse. <laughs> it's horrifying. Like it looks like some like a curiosity you'd see in like an old timey like Victorian museum where they like stole a baby from a peasant woman and embalmed it, <laughs> and then they're like, "Well, we needed a baby to put in our museum." <laughs> I like how the people that stole the baby. Uh, the sad, dopey voice uh, has passed along to the curator. Uh, yeah, and so it's it is terrifying. Well, let me let me uh, ask you a second question, then, Patrick. Before we get to Justin, uh, I don't know if you've looked yet, but how much do oh, you wow. think a three D baby costs? Oh, I've already looked. Oh well, how much do you think a three D baby <laughs> is worth? Uh, One hundred dollars. Well, that would be a hundred dollars short of a custom, what they're calling a mini baby. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, available to you in two positions and uh because they're sensitive to the fact that uh, you know not everyone's the same you have a choice of getting what they're describing as light medium or dark baby <laughs> the three main colors of babies uh yeah so uh the babies uh run in price from 200 for mini baby uh if you're thinking you want to go a little bolder you want to know what it's like to hold half of your baby a half-size baby costs a paltry $400. And say you want the the whole ham, you want the life-size baby, well, that's just going to be a gentle $600. But don't worry, gift cards are available. So what's funny is... I, I mean, <laughs> you can buy a $25 gift card from these people. Can you imagine? That's... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to give that to someone as a joke. <laughs> I mean, so, it's, it's amazing. What's funny is I checked this website earlier, like when it was, like uh, when your sister posted it. Mm-hmm. There was another product that they seem to have since removed. You know what that product was? Uh-oh. Talk to me. Celebrity Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Like and so you know what baby they had? They had Kanye West and uh, Kim Kardashian's baby. Oh, Northwest. Northwest. 
uh, yeah, it it was real weird because it came in this like a a box in like uh like with like a velvet sheet or something underneath it. So it looked like you just got like I don't know like their their baby like if someone stole their baby and then you get it in this box. <laughs> A peasant woman, perhaps, in an act of retribution. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, what, what are your thoughts on 3D babies? Yeah. Okay, to get a little serious, I guess. I, I, I wouldn't know what it would be like to be pr- pregnant. I, I, I just, I don't think I have the capacity as a male. Well, so, don't forget about Junior. Well, you know, I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger either. So. I always get that movie confused with twins. <laughs> I'm, I'm never sure which one's which. They both have Danny DeVito. But... Uh, exactly. In my mind, they're equivalent in quality, but I think uh, Junior is generally considered a bad movie. But, mm. Is uh, Twins considered a good movie? I thought it was, but I don't... Probably not. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I always get Danny DeVito confused with Martin Freeman anyway, so... It's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so since I, I... If, you know, if this actually, you know, if this comfort... If this... For, like, you know, if you're pregnant and it's like, you know what? You know, it brings me closer to my baby, even in, like, a... Like, in that, like uh, a 3D printed version, I guess, that you could hold instead of just being inside you, and that like brings you closer to your future baby. I guess I can't like fault it. I guess that's cool. It does seem a little weird though, because it, it does seem like you're. I don't know. It, it seems right up there with like eating the placenta or like other like. <laughs> I mean, like my thing is like, how do you? It, it comes in that. <laughs> yeah. Is it the mini baby or is that the? Uh, I, that looks like a mini. I think that's classic position two baby. <laughs> um, now, well, so well, I'm all over the place now since Patrick sent us the picture of the the shipping material. So the the baby does come to you in a sort of velvet light box. It kind of looks like what they'd put a baby in when they're going to bury it, which is a pretty dark thought. But this is, just looks awful. I mean, I really feel like if they want to ship this and not freak people out, <laughs> they should have like sort of like swaddled it in like an actual baby blanket. It's not just like you know, on the on the on the thing. Not naked in this like velvet sheet. I really uh, would love to see the first uh, customs person who opens up the box to inspect <laughs> the border. <laughs> I mean, these things are getting confiscated. Um, but they're 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 not a projection of what the what they will look like. They're actually like the fetus. It's a, it's a an artistic representation of the future baby or of the fetus itself. Of, of the fetus. Of the fetus. Oh, okay. So, because you can get, like, a 3D ultrasound, right? right? Where they, like, create a 3D model of your baby with the ultrasound. Well, they they claim to use 3D slash 4D ultrasound images. And I don't know anything about this, so I'm sure somebody who does, I'll sound like a real idiot here. But how exactly are they scanning a fourth dimension of your baby? So, it's just, like, it's an animation. It's, like, a few scans, and it, like, is animated together. So, animation is the fourth dimension. Yeah. So, time, I guess, is the, the yeah. fourth dimension in this? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, on top of that, uh, they had a Indiegogo campaign for 3D babies. And let me tell you, of their $15,000 goal, they raked in a solid and respectable... $1,225. They did not meet their funding goal at all. Uh, they did have two people donate $1 towards the project, uh-huh. though. So is this, like, funding for their venture? Yeah, I guess so. Um, 
I mean, their website's pretty impressive. Uh, like to me, it seems like they're fully operational. Oh, oh, oh my god! <laughs> so there's there's some incredible diagrams on well, this. It's like... <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and send this to you, Patrick, because uh, so we have a, a scale <laughs> image of what you can expect for these babies. So you're probably wondering how big is the fetus? Well, according to this, life size baby comes in at eight inches. And then four and two in those orders. That's really many. Uh, now, position two is a little shocking here that they have. Uh, I'll send you to the Indiegogo link. We'll put this in the show notes. But position two of the baby has the baby just completely exposing their genitals <laughs> to you. Uh, this is a, a strange thing. Uh, so some of the reward tiers, it's too late now, but uh, you could have gotten in on some early bird specials, actually. So two people, there are two people in this world who actually claimed two early bird half-size specials. So it was $300 instead of uh, $400. That's that's a 25% savings. So how do you actually get the... So do you have to go to like uh, an ultrasound person, they take it, and then you send that information to the company or well, how? i don't i don't know how else you could do it you I must guess that makes sense you can't, you can't just put your they don't have like a, van in a scanner or something they don't have a van that's sent to your house to do the, <laughs> to do the scan uh, i mean if someone comes around and hops out of the 3d babies van you know run uh i like it and they're you know obviously they're pretty excited about the venture they believe in it but i love how they talk about how it's a great way to share your excitement of your new baby with families and friends it's like, you know, trading cards. You get a whole bunch of, like, the mini babies and just, like, hand them out to your friends. <laughs> Guess who's coming? Two inches. That was, that's, that's smaller than I thought it would be. Oh, and they've heard that one before. <laughs> uh, they've uh, apparently since taken down their YouTube video. It's been marked private. But, uh, yeah, so 3D Babies uh, is a frightening thing. I can only imagine what... Uh, Chris Young would have to say about this. Who do you think is ordering? Like, do you think they got a cease and desist about their celebrity baby? Uh, oh, almost certainly. I mean, they weren't allowed to sell those Steve Jobs action figures, which were just not even just like a model of Steve Jobs. Uh, so, I mean, that must be why. Are you not allowed to make an action figure of, of a celebrity without their permission? <laughs> I just assumed that would be free speech or something. It's a, it's a, I'm sure it's a legal gray area. I'm sure you can't say that's who it is. Maybe. Maybe. But, like, <clears throat> well, what if I want to make action figures of Abraham Lincoln? Would the estate be able to, like, prevent me from doing that? I think Abraham Lincoln is in the public domain. <laughs> his, his, uh, <laughs> yeah. his corpse, at least. Uh, yeah, well, here's one other thing. So they had an option that, you know, uh, for military families that they would donate 3D babies to them. So I guess you could, like, send your partner a baby preview. Now, this might be a little political, but... (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) Is this... Do you think this is kind of like a pro-life organization? I I don't want to be, you know, like... Oh, wow. This this show has never uh, gone into this sort of I'm just saying that, like, it, it... You know, the... I don't know. It, it it kind of rubs me in that direction a little bit, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. Maybe I'm searching but, for that a little. But there's no like. I feel like pro life people tend not to be very um, into three subtle. So, oh yeah. And so I feel like if if uh, you know like 
it was it was some kind of pro-life thing it would you know like there'd be you know they'd be like you know see what you're losing or something like that you know right i suppose that's right well let me give you a little background so uh 3d babies uh, is the brainchild uh, pun intended of uh, gerard Bissett. so uh, he has an mba uh he's in the san francisco bay area mechanical or industrial engineering uh so Currently, uh, he is the owner at 3D Babies, and he's also a tour director at SME. So uh, I guess he's giving tours at uh, whatever this thing is. Uh, and then so previously, he worked uh, for Ozen Engineering. He was assistant vice president of the banking... Assistant vice president banking center manager at Comerica Bank. And he was also a bank teller at Wells Fargo. Oh, he worked at Weston. He was an iMac specialist at Apple Computer. Oh, knows his computers. Um, so if it sounds like I'm just reading his LinkedIn profile, I am. <laughs> and I think the fact that he has a LinkedIn profile tells me everything I know, I need to know about uh, Gerard here. But uh, 3D Babies, uh, okay, so to, uh, just a couple things to wrap up 3D Babies. Uh, number one, 3D Babies, what do you think are the chances of success for this project? Uh, we'll start with you, Justin. 3D Babies, uh, I, I don't... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, it might be able to carve out a niche, but I, I doubt it's going to be successful. All right, so you, you don't think it's going to stick around? I mean, I like 3D printing, I guess, but maybe not this. this D- don't you like babies? Let's combine these. I two. like babies, and I like 3D printing, So, but I don't know if it'll be successful commercially. All right. It's quite uh, a steep price even for the mini baby. but uh, It is. Actually, it's a, it's a shockingly expensive price for the 3D baby, but... And actually, yeah, they're not even doing the scans. So what? Are, I mean, they're printing, I guess, but it still ex- seems kind of expensive, though. Yeah. Because how expensive could it be to do the actual printing, though? Isn't it just plastic? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Probably plastic. Well, well, Patrick, what do you think? What do you what would you describe as the uh what, what's what's the real world uh, odds on this? Well, I think people like spending money related to their pregnancy or new babies. You can see this by like the very expensive uh strollers that people buy for their their babies you know like upwards of a thousand dollars however i don't think people like being reminded uh that babies can die and so these babies looking like corpses is a real problem if they can solve that problem you know they may have a real market are all their eyes closed some of them seem like their eyes are open but they almost always seem like their eyes are closed i I guess i guess that makes sense if you're a fetus but (laughs) I don't want to speak for the fetus here, but <laughs> maybe they're just thinking hard. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say odds on this being successful are. I give it ten percent. And I think that's being generous. I just don't think there's much demand for that because, uh, like you said, it's basically we don't know what it what it means to be pregnant, right? So let's not try and pretend that we do. But to my mind, what I I think is that most people, I think for the woman, you're you're already carrying 
the baby. You don't need to, like, touch the baby. How much closer could the baby be than literally inside of you? Uh, So maybe as some sort of memento, but as Patrick pointed out, this looks too much like it has something to do with death. (laughs) This this literally looks like your dead baby. Like a tribute, yeah, if it it didn't work out, the, the pregnancy. I mean, maybe, yeah, if but Wouldn't that if be you're, even worse? Oh, yeah, that would be bad, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe... A tribute to the baby if it didn't work out? You know, if you want to... <laughs> well, if you... Well... I mean, if you want to wallow in that sorrow for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, if, and if you want to have it swaddled by a teddy bear, as uh, is demonstrated by the webpage. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and drop my rating after that right now, and <laughs> I'm going to bring it down to about a 0% chance that this is going to succeed. Sure. <laughs> Which is a shame. But you know what? Success doesn't always follow the best ideas. So, uh, Justin, uh, how many how many uh, mini babies out of five would you uh, give this idea? This idea... Uh, I won't give it the lowest rating because, you know, I, I feel like they're trying hard. And I think they're sincere in their efforts. So I'll give them two mini babies out of five. All right. That's pretty good. That's actually, you know what? That's not bad at all. Ain't no thing. Um, all right. Well, I think that's pretty good. So why don't we now uh, get ready for, for next week? And I will tell you that uh, next week's episode we'll be looking at, and let me just get off of this frightening 3D Babies page, uh, we will be watching uh, The Virgin. And Uh-oh. in The Virgin, uh, <laughs> uh, Jerry discovers that he's dating a virgin. Uh, Kramer uh, continues uh, to insert himself or attempt to insert himself uh, into Jerry and George's business while they write the teleplay and Elaine accidentally speaks of how a man was seducing her to have sex with her in front of Marla upsetting Marla Um, yeah Hmm. oh and uh, Susan loses her job (laughs) all on next week's episode of uh, Seinfeld we'll also be watching the contest the week after it's a classic episode, The Virgin. It is good, and it has uh, the actress from uh, Frasier in it. I don't know what her name is, but she's on there. British uh, lady from Frasier. Yeah, she's a classic. Uh, as always, I would like to heartily recommend to you that you check out whatsthedealshow.com, where we have all the show notes. Uh, we're going to have some cool pictures for you we've got the other business up there we've got it all we've got back episodes you know what it's been about a month you need more of our show odds are you haven't been listening since the beginning go back listen to some more there's some good episodes back there oh there's some yeah. great ones episode six is our <laughs> highest downloaded episode by far for what? some reason Still? it has maybe yeah but it has I, I, maybe... I thought our stat tracking wasn't working properly anymore i don't know but last time we checked what was episode, episode six what was that episode do you remember? It was the sixth episode of our show. I'm just curious what the what the episode of Seinfeld was. Um, Patrick will look it up. We got time. I'll look it up as we as we chat here. All right. Okay. Well, um, Patrick, you normally talk about the next part. So while you're well, I, it I up, can talk. Um, you can, so you can wait, wait, wait. Episode six. It was called the tip of the tongue. It was the ex girlfriend episode of Seinfeld. Huh. Chris talks about his idea that. You can get to the front of traffic somehow. Um, <laughs> that the traffic is just there's just one guy who's at the front <laughs> in the whole world, blocking off everything. 
we talk about the quote from Batman, Ever Dance with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight. Oh, that's a good one. And uh, George Swallows a Fly. <laughs> All right. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, but if you want to check us out in other places other than the web, we are on Twitter at WTD Show. And if you like, you can like us on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash what's the deal show. So if you follow us there or on Twitter, all our episodes, they'll just show up in your wall or whatever. And uh, you can you won't miss an episode unless we get to the point where Facebook starts charging us so everyone can see every single post, which we are getting close to. If two more people like us, that will happen. So really decide whether you want to like us. <laughs> I, I can't tell if you're kidding. Are you kidding? No, that's, that's absolutely true. That can't wait, be true. Wait, what? Yeah, they we got you. No, yeah, they if you don't. Get, if you get over a certain number of likes, they charge you so every listener can see every post. Otherwise, they pick it randomly. What do you mean? They... Oh, oh, I see. You have, okay, to, well. you have to pay the money. Yep, it's very expensive. It's like a thousand dollars or something. Whoa. Well, you know, if we want to grow our brand, hmm. we have no choice. Facebook, it's popular. <laughs> uh, Justin, you know what else is popular? What's that? Uh, leaving us a rating for the show. How would how would someone do that? Well, you could go down to iTunes. Uh, you can rate podcasts. Specifically, what's the deal? I would recommend rating five stars if you like the show. Helps uh, helps the podcast out a lot with the rankings and whatnot. So uh, you should uh, try that out. See, we're one of those shows now. I've you know I don't think I've actually rated the show yet. I probably should well do that. you and everyone else. I, I kind of lied when I said it's a popular thing to do. I believe two people have chosen to do it. I'll do it eventually. I'll get around to it. <laughs> In the year of our Lord, 2020, Justin will leave his What's the Deal show rating. Uh, okay, well, that was great. What about Google Plus? Are you on Google Plus? No, we're not. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I, you know, dust balls can't listen to the uh, show. Tumbleweeds. I don't know. Been can, a show, can a podcast be on Google Plus? To be honest, I don't really know. Can a, can a human be on Google Plus? <laughs> They're humans. I've got there. a Google Plus. I'm at google.com slash plus slash one three four five three eight five three two four five three. Nice. Memorable. Uh, so, Justin. Yes? Thanks for being on the show this week. Oh, no problem. It was fun. You were great, as always. Mm-hmm. It was a good, yeah. There's a lot to talk about in the episode, so it was good. It's really, I mean, it's like you're a real broadcasting professional. Mm. You're very good at it. Yeah. I'm a real, uh, who's who's the host of This American Life? I forgot his name. Ira Glass. Glass. I'm a real Ira Glass. You know, if you've been listening to the show, do you, do you know we have crossover with a Game of Thrones podcast? Enough people who subscribe to our podcast also listen to The Night's Watch. Mm. And I think the the one problem here, and hopefully they don't like Game of Thrones so much that my saying this is going to turn them off, but none of us here watch Game of Thrones. Is that right? That is true. (laughs) But, you know, if you like Game of Thrones, you should check out that podcast. I bet it's pretty good. Yeah, I bet they got a good show. You got to do a cross-promotional episode where you you guest star on their their podcast. Oh, yeah. And they'll have lots of insightful things to say, like, (laughs) is this the one with uh, a dragon? (laughs) You know know what we're really Red Wedding. I found out what that meant. <laughs> we just need an episode on Marin, you know, like one of us be on Marin, and then that's when our podcast is really going to take off. I've been I've been listening to that podcast quite a lot, actually. Yeah, if we know. get on there, I'm not going to lie. The guy from uh, Titus Andronicus or whatever his name that band is, 
he didn't he didn't come I across you're talking about Shakespeare. He he didn't come across as the most uh Can I can I go ahead and ask a question? He, he, what is Marin? Oh the WTF podcast. One of the most popular podcasts. It's popular, right? <laughs> it's called WTF. Mark yeah. Marin, comedian. WTF with Mark Marin. He's a good interviewer. I think he's a really good interviewer. Man, see, oh yeah, look, he's got four hundred and eleven ratings. I'm I'm nothing compared to Mark Marin. I'm he's dirt. he's probably in the top ten of all podcasts. Really, he's that popular. Well, I'm noticing here it says listeners also subscribe to on his. And let me tell you, what's the deal? Show is not present, so we do mm-hmm. we need to get on there. Is there any money in podcasts though? I feel yes. like. Is there? Yes. He makes yeah. money? Like, yeah. Yeah. seriously? There's not a lot, but he makes money. He makes enough to, to live on. Like, like, like good money, eh? Pretty good money. I don't, don't want to like... Like enough that he wouldn't have to ask somebody for their bus tickets. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so, as always, I would like to say thank you very much on behalf of myself and Justin Armstrong. Goodbye. Patrick Armstrong. Mm-hmm. We hope that you will be with us again next week. Thank you very much, and stay safe on the roads out there. Watch out for the polar vortex. See how I changed up the ending this week? That was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, so, Home Alone 2. <laughs> uh, am I crazy, or is Home Alone 2 clearly the superior Home Alone movie? Well, it's weird, though, because... In many ways, it it does the same thing as Home Alone, but does it better because like the plausibility of him going to New York is way makes way more sense than the fact that he just stays at home and then just no one like <laughs> figures out that he's there and the police are just like knock knock. Well, I guess he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so like that doesn't make any sense. But like the actual like so like all the whole setup of him going to New York, I actually buy because he's kind of this like so like he's like strong willed young kid and he's like I'm just gonna go to New York and do what I want. And he is a talk boy. It all kind of unravels, though, in the talk point. It all kind of unravels when he just basically, like, tortures the two criminals for no reason. <laughs> Instead of just calling the police, he's just like, I'm going to bring them to this, like, apartment building and then torture them with all my torture devices. I mean, it does seem like a <laughs> horror movie, basically, at that point. Like, it feels like you're watching The Omen or something like that. Because as a child, when I watched those scenes in the, like, under-renovation apartment building, it was hilarious. It yeah. was like live-action Looney Tunes. When I watched it over Christmas, <laughs> I was cringing. Like when they Marv is it keeps getting hit in the head with the brick, like mm. over and over and over. It is agonizing. When he he electrocutes, he electrocutes <laughs> him. He electrocutes him to the point that you see his skeleton. Yeah, that's uh, a real thing. It's it's terrifying. But I have to. I, I agree with you completely. Like Home Alone Two is, it is essentially Home Alone One again. It's almost like they remade the movie and just kind of changed the setting. And yet it is so much better and it it's it's better essentially on like on its own merits because if you never saw Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2 is still a great movie. Mm-hmm. Patrick weigh in on this. Well, I mean, I like the scenes of him, you know, in the hotel, you know, outsmarting you know, like all the hotel people and uh, Tim Curry. you got Rob Schneider in there being annoying. You know, the whole thing. That's all pretty funny. But I find the, like, scenes with the bird lady, like when they go to the Met <laughs> and, like, she's, like, explaining the real meaning of friendship and whatever. It, I find that pretty tiresome. There's, there's a some, lot more of that. There's some lack of security going on at the Met there where <laughs> yeah. you can just hang out up in the roof, no problem. 
Although, you, yeah. You, yeah, it's definitely like, you know, I'm not crazy about the old man in the first movie, but... I mean, sure but th- there's a lot less of him. I guess. He's... But, you know, I think the old man in the first one is better than the old lady. It's not really that old, I guess, but the lady in the second one. But that's one thing that the second one definitely is not the greatest. Well, I mean, which one of those two people got a turtle dove? It's true. It is funny, though, actually. It's like, Wait, it's even the same the trope with, like, the broken the broken old person. And so <laughs> Kevin helps them. They even had that plot recycled in there again. Kevin's got, like, old friends in every, every city in the world. Uh, yeah, so... There's a line in Home Alone 2 that, as a child, it just totally flew over my head. Yet, when I was watching it this Christmas, uh, I was almost in tears. When he's in the hotel, and he's watching the movie, and he's having room service, and he's having Uh, ice cream, and he's like, (laughs) two scoops, he's like, make it three. I'm not driving. Uh, (laughs) It's such a good line. It's amazing. How he would, as a child, even be able to formulate that joke, I don't know, but it was great. It was really, really good. Uh, I also read uh, an article that's actually on uh, BuzzFeed, that uh, well-respected thing, where it was like... Top 10 funny scenes from Home Alone 2. Oh, no, it was Where's Buzz Now? Oh, yeah. And it was uh, kind of like chronicling his life. Seems like he's doing okay. Well, he had a documentary that he... Who was he following again? Um, He he tried to, like, propose to some famous person. Oh, yeah, that's right. But is he doing that well? I mean, it's not like... I mean, I'm sure he's doing better than, you know... He's doing all right. Yeah, who was that that he was... Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. Are you, are you familiar with this? I thought it was, like, maybe, like, what's her face? Uh, who was, like... Drew Barrymore. Condoleezza Rice or something? Was it Condoleezza Rice? I think he wanted to play with Condoleezza Rice or something. It seems like he's doing all right. He looks healthy, I guess. He's got a poorly <laughs> trimmed suit. Maybe he's in some TV and stuff. Yeah, Law and Order... The good one? Yeah, Condoleezza Rice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, win the heart of Condoleezza Rice. Oh, that's... It's kind of weird. <laughs> Courting Condi. That's, uh... I feel like he could be sued for that picture. <laughs> uh, what I like about it here is that... So, uh, we'll... We'll include this uh, in the show notes for... For those dedicated uh, after-listeners. And I'll send it to you as well, Patrick. On the front cover of Courting Condi, it's a picture of him photoshopped attempting to kind of, like dip Condoleezza Rice and go for the kiss. But then below them, there's a small Photoshop of him posing as if he's about to throw a football. Yeah, that's weird. And then <laughs> she's playing the piano. And then over his other shoulder, he's playing the guitar. Oh. Um, I like this little factoid that he was a contestant on Cash Cab. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you've kind of hit the point where you need uh, Cash Cab, things, maybe they're not going so well. Uh, I mean, he has almost 700 followers on Twitter. Wow. He might have... Man, he has, I feel bad for him. I feel like I should follow him. He has over 1,000 now. Hmm. Wow, and he was sitting at the executive table at Disney ABC for a new pilot show that he's filming called American Education. You know what? I don't feel bad for him. Buzz was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see his girlfriend? Woof. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of trivia about that actually that's actually a, a male person in a wig because uh wasn't it like a, the director's son or something i'm not sure but i know that uh, who wrote that again what's his name the famous guy yeah six, 16 candles uh guy. yeah that guy he didn't want to like like all right we're gonna put your picture because you're you're not you're not attractive enough john hughes john hughes so he's like so we, we got to put a guy in a wig in there but for humor's sake but did john hughes direct or did he just write he wrote he just wrote it. chris columbus, chris columbus. Right? yeah 
Chris Columbus. Yeah. Oh, nice. Harry Potter guy. Mm-hmm. Is a name. Oh, man. Yeah, so uh, I think we can basically all agree right now that Home Alone 2 is easily the better. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> oh, that's what I, I actually didn't know what that, that noise was for a second, but no, that's good. <clears throat> nope. And why not end it off with the. <laughs> I don't even know what this is going to be, but clearly this is. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I have a better one. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll make sure to put these uh, also in the show notes. Blogspot's not responding at its fastest ever. Blogspot. (laughs) (laughs) What's that expression? (laughs) It's a smile. Uh, Okay, let's... uh, 